see the dawn of the darkest day, Christ on the road to Calvary, tried by sinful men, torn and beaten then, nailed to a cross of wood. This the
Amen. Would you pray with me? Father, we do rejoice in the power of the cross of Christ. We rejoice that it represents the atonement for our sin, the payment that we could never pay, that it represents the rescuing of your people, the redemption of the people that you, that you longed to redeem. And we are so grateful for the cross and its power to save broken sinners like us. We're so grateful for how it shows us the work of Christ perfectly. We thank you that the cross was not all, that though he bore that cross for us and suffered and died, that he rose and that his resurrection promises us life and life eternal with you, with him in glory. I pray this morning as we're worshiping you, as we sing praise to you, as we seek to honor you with our voices, I pray that you will find joy in our time together. I pray that the people here will be encouraged. I pray that those who are listening at home will be encouraged. I pray that we'll all be strengthened in our faith, that we'll grow closer to you so that we may better honor and glorify you in this world and point others to you. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.
So each week as we gather together, we think it's one of the most important things that we can do as we worship a holy God, as we think upon who he is, what he's done, we should also think about who we are and what we've done. And so um, we always take time to, to have a prayer of confession together, to privately confess our sins, and then to hear God's word assure us of our forgiveness in Christ. So as you'll see on the screen, we have a prayer of confession. If you'll read along with me. Father God, you are our almighty creator and Lord. We praise you for you have finished the work of creation and made all things well. You have prepared perfect rest for us, but we confess that we seek comfort and peace from the idols of this world. We hold on to our works and words rather than trusting the finished work of Christ. We fail to joyfully rest in you as we restlessly strive to earn your approval through anything but the blood of Jesus alone. Our Savior has called us to come and find rest, but we confess that we fail to take his yoke upon our shoulders and instead suffer under burdens which he has already borne for us. Forgive us for our idolatry. Forgive us for our lack of faith and trust. Forgive us for our holding on to our shame and guilt. Help us to find present rest and hope in the promise of future and perfect rest in Christ alone, in whose name we pray. Amen. If you'll take a moment for private confession. Father God, we are humbled as we are able to come before you, as we are able to bring our sins, confess them, and trust in your forgiveness. We're grateful that Christ has made a way that we can be forgiven of all these things. Father, we do confess that we do not, we, we fail to be content in the rest that you've given to us, the rest that you've promised in Christ that as you've said, that he is our Sabbath rest. Forgive us for how we seek comfort, how we seek to find places of solace uh, in the things of this world, and how, we, how we love money and our families and, and whatever else may bring us this sense of security and peace and comfort. Forgive us for finding those things in anything but you and your word and what you've done. Help us to find rest in you alone. And we pray that you will give us the grace to trust in you, to put our faith in, in you and you alone, to redeem, to forgive, to rescue us. 
And we, we, we pray with the hope, the trust, the faith, and the promise of an eternity of beautiful, perfect peace with you and your kingdom and the new heavens, the new earth that you will establish. We cry out, come Lord, bring it. We long to see the fulfillment of the promises that you've made. We thank you that we know you will. In Jesus' name, amen. For those who have placed their faith in Christ, who trust in him, hear this assurance of pardon from Hebrews chapter 3. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those whom, who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that he would not to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest. Then we have a catechism question, question 23. I'll read the question and then we'll read the answer together. Why must the Redeemer be truly God? That because of his divine nature, his obedience and suffering would be perfect and effective, and also that he would be able to bear the righteous anger of God against sin and yet overcome death. Amen. shame, no more guilt, no more bringing bulls and goats and lambs into a house that man's hands built, and no more work of earthly priests, for the work has all been finally done by the long-awaited King. for you and me.
brought us out of slavery though we still turn and look back on those shackles favorably it goes to show the victory could only come through the nail-scarred hands of one who sets us free Turn to Genesis 2 and stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Thus the heavens and earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished His work that He had done, and He rested on the seventh day from all His work that He had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all His work that He had done in creation. This is the Word of the Lord. You you may be seated. Last week, we talked about the fact that God created the world. And He said of it, it was good. We were, we also found out, created in His image. And as image bearers we have dignity that there should be respect for one another that we should honor one another that we should protect one another we also found out that we are able to image God and so as image bearers we are able to image him that is live in a way that would bring honor and glory to his name and so, in the, looking at the first six days, we said God created the world. He created it by His Word. And in a unique way, we were placed on this earth as a distinct people, as human beings, created in, in the image of God to image Him. It's a beautiful thing. Again, God said this was very good, and yet, as we move forward, we're going to see some things happen that frustrate that the plan the design and so today though we are going to see on the seventh day that God rested and we're going to be looking at the theme of rest some of you today may be saying like oh I understand that I have had more rest than I wanted I've been forced to rest I've been in a sense like in a forced sabbatical i never 
plan to experience that kind of rest. It didn't even feel, feel to me like restful because there were so many fears that cropped up in my life. I mean, there may be some of you that would sit down and say, you know what, if I were to really be honest about it, when I had to really stop, and, and some of you say, well, I didn't, my job didn't allow for that, but for others where it's like I had to stop, there's something about that silence, something about that inactivity that did things in me that I didn't even think were there. It shook me up in ways that I didn't expect to be shaken. Well, we're going to look at that theme of rest and talk about why is that and why, why are we struggling with some of those things and why do we struggle with them? And so today you could kind of summarize this study in this way. We enter into God's rest by faith in Christ and we seek to grow in rest until we finally experience His rest in the age to come. And so... That's at the heart of this. Like there, there are themes in the Bible that are massive. That uh, They start in Genesis, take us all the way to Revelation, and those huge like uh, uh, themes, sometimes we need to trace them out, and we're going to look at that today, but you just have to say, we, are, we come into, you could say, rest by faith, and our rest will be realized in the future. And so we have to remind ourselves of that as we move through it. So we're going to answer a number of questions. If you're taking notes, you want to kind of jot this down. Uh, the first is, why is God able to rest? And what does the, this initially mean for humanity? Second, how did we lose that rest? And how are we to return to it? Third, how should we live today in that theme of rest? That, that's just, those things kind of, I think, are central uh, to us understanding this. So we're going to look at that. Hopefully you'll gather some stuff that might help you think about your, your present response or even like the response of future activities or future events or moments in your life. For some of you, it might drive you to move forward to work and then take those times of rest. For some of you, there's some forced rest things that you've had to deal with and you're going to be thinking about those and, and why uh, your heart didn't grow in faith, but more with fear. I mean, there's a lot of things that could go on as you think about this. So we're going to be looking at Genesis 2, verses 1 through 3 again, and let's, let's think about that together. Now, the first thing is, you'll notice in verse 1, the heavens and the earth were finished. And then God is going to rest. The seventh day is a time of rest. God did not rest because He was, oh, I'm so tired. That's what in our house, we'll talk about that some nights. I'll be like, Anna, how's it going? I'm just exhausted. Or she'll say, how was today? I, I'm really exhausted. I just need a moment. To stop. Yesterday, Will was mowing the yard, and uh, he's learning kind of how to do that. And because of his height, like it's hard to turn the mower. It's like a little self-propelled mower, and so it's tough for him at some level where it's more work than it has to be, kind of right now. But but he looks at me at some point and he says, "You know, I'm exhausted." With God, that's not why he rested on the seventh day. 
he was not his strength or power was not diminished in any way. He was able to rest because he had completed the work that he had set out to do. That doesn't mean that he's stopped being active in the world. He is providentially giving oversight to the whole world even now. He is sustaining it. He is preserving it. He is governing over it. Of Jesus in Hebrews 1.3, the Scripture says, He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. He is still sustaining it. That work of creation continues to be held together by the word of His power. Now, so it might be best for you and I, if we were to think about this, to say, the idea here is that He had finished the work of creation and therefore He is able to rest because there's nothing else to do. Have y'all ever, um, I don't know if you've ever been out on a farm and you talk to people out on a farm and you say, well, do you have anything to do? And they say, there's always something to do. Or if you were to talk to someone about their house, there's always something to fix. It's almost like when you think about it, there are so many times when you're working on something that you're thinking, like, I just never feel like I can just put it down. That's a big discussion among people where now kind of doing this working at home thing, it's almost hard to leave the work because it's there. And some people would look at their home and see it as a place of rest. And now, work has infiltrated their home. And they're having to deal with that. Sometimes you think about, have y'all ever thought, I can put this together for my children. I'll do it without the instructions. Instructions are made for those people that don't know how to do the things I know how to do. And then when you're done, you're left with like these screws on the ground and you're thinking like, were those, did I, was I supposed to put those, were those a part of this project? You know, and so then you maybe have to tear it apart or maybe you kind of put it together and then you look at it and you think, that doesn't look like the picture, right? And so I just think for us, when we're looking at things, we're thinking about God, we are saying God's task of creating the world was good, it was perfect, it was finished, and there was nothing else to do. He completed the work of creating the world. And I think that's important for us to see. Now, the reason you and I are restless often is because we feel like we never really complete everything. We might even wake up in the middle of the night and think, whoa, I missed that totally because I just didn't see it. And so, being at rest is difficult for us. So God rests because He completed the plan of creating the world perfectly. The second thing is, for us, we have to say, okay, but are we living in that now? I mean, that's where man was supposed to be, living in a state of rest living in this completed creation where it was he, God said of it, it's very good. He was supposed to be living in that place. Dwelling there. Uh, never again like stepping out of it. And yet, the fall came. And the rest was broken. 
And then the need for restoration would come. So Adam and Eve sinned, and there became like all of these relational chaotic things. What, what, think about that with me for a moment. One would be their relationship to God was messed up, their relationship to one another messed up, and their relationship to the world was messed up. And so instead of rest, you see chaos. And that's something that you can identify. Rest that was designed to be uh, was lost. So what do we do with that? Well, God does some things about that. God says, I'm going to do something about that. I'm going to bring, I'm going to, I guess you could say, restore rest. And so as you read through the Bible, the rest of the Bible, you're saying, well, what does that look like for Him to restore that. He promises to restore it. He promises to make it new. He promises to accomplish that. He even says to Abraham, He makes a promise to him, and He promises him a people and a place and blessing. He's speaking of rest. Now, if you remember, the children of Israel, they kind of, the small little band is like, in the promised land in that area, they have to go to Egypt because of a famine. They spend 400 years there. And when they come back, God is calling them back or bringing them back to the land, to the land of rest. If you, rem- you remember that? And what happened with them was, right as they're getting there, on the way, you might say, they begin to grumble. They begin to talk about like it was better in Egypt, in bondage, in sin, and rebellion. It was better under this horrible taskmaster. It was better there. And then later, like right when they get into the place of rest, they look out there and say, this land is so beautiful and it's so wonderful. I can't believe it. It's shocking. I mean, it is everything that God said. I can understand why He said, if you go into that land, you will find rest. But there are also some great enemies, right? And they, looking at the enemies, 10 out of the 12 spies that went into the land, stirred up the leaders and the people in unbelief. So as a result, they didn't go into that rest. They lived in the wilderness for 40 years. This generation of that time, that first generation, they all had to die until they could enter in as a new generation. I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. And I want you, if you mark in your Bible, maybe you don't because you're using a device or whatever, if you have your Apple pencil, kind of pull it out. You know, no. But turn to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. And I want you to identify the word rest. Like how many times you're like, man, we've, you're going to read a lot of verses here, and I am, but I want you to see the term rest. So this is what we're thinking with me real quick. We're saying God created a world that was complete and good and glorious and perfect. And that He could stop creating because He had finished all that work and He still sustains it. But then... When we find out like later that man rebelled and rest was lost, 
And as we're looking at this, we're kind of trying to get an idea of how to enter in, how to think about rest. So let's look at Hebrews 3, verse 7. Again, you could mark the references to rest. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked and with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my... What? Rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, for we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end, as it is said, today if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion. Chapter 4, verse 1. Go there with me. Therefore, while the promise of entering His rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news to, uh, came to us, just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. Verse 9. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience verse 14 speaking of jesus he says we have this great high priest who has passed through the heavenlies jesus the son of god let us hold fast our confession what he's saying is don't walk in unbelief don't like abandon trust in god Put your hope in Christ. He is the rest that is promised. He does bring about rest for the soul. And he's saying like, better than what the people before had, you have this promise that has been realized in Jesus Christ. You hold fast to Him. So you say, God designed this world. It was good. It was perfect. There was nothing else to do. There was rest. There was a wholeness. There was completion. There was a total like just relationship with God unbroken. Relationship with one another unbroken. Relationship with the creation unbroken. And then man fell into sin. But God didn't leave him there. God redeems. God rescues. And God rescues to bring you into His rest. So, how does someone enter into rest? How do they enter in? This passage in Hebrews says, by faith. Beware of not trusting Him. Beware of not holding fast to Him. He is saying, listen, this is how you enter into rest. You put your faith 
and trust in Christ. This rest is an eternal rest. This rest far exceeds what Israel would have received in the will, I mean, in the promised land. This is an eternal rest for your souls. And the reality is, if you're honest, there are all types of voices saying, you should be afraid. You should not hope in Christ. You shouldn't trust in Him. What you have in troubled times is all these voices of this world screaming out, you should be like shaken. You don't have a foundation. You don't have stability. You don't have the promise of rest. You can't rest. Even when you were forced to rest, you're living in turmoil. Why? Because oftentimes, so often, we are finding rest where there is no rest. We are looking for peace where there is no peace. We enter into rest by walking with Christ. So, God is able to rest after creating the world because it was completed. Rest was lost because of sin. We enter into the rest that He has given because He has offered His Son to restore rest so that by faith we trust in Him and we can enter into that rest. Now, the last thing I would say is, now how do you live in that theme? How do you live in the the theme of rest? I think one aspect for us, just practically, and, and, and different people have different ideas about this, and it's, it's a difficult thing, but I just want you to think about the six days you shall work and on the seventh day rest. What does that practically mean for people? You know, Jesus said the Sabbath was given for man. Why? Why did He need a day to stop? Why would He need that? I want you to write this down because we don't have time to, to look into all of it. But I want you to write down Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11, and Deuteronomy 5, verses 12 through 15. God had Israel in the Ten Commandments. There is uh, uh, this place where it says, Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. In Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11, when he is speaking of the Sabbath day, that seventh day, that time of rest, that time of like stopping, he talks about it in relationship to creation. He says, at the end of those six days, God completed his work and he rested. So now, for you, I want you to have a time where you stop and consider your creator. In Deuteronomy 5, when thinking of this particular issue, he says in verse 15, you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt and the Lord brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. The rest was tied to redemption or salvation. And so go back with me. God rests because He's completed His work. And we should celebrate that. And also, in that concept of rest, 
in light of what Jesus has done, His redeeming work, since He completed it, since the Lord said, it is finished, we can remind ourselves of that and rest in that. So the cool thing was with Israel, both in the creation and in redemption, both of those things were a reminder that we can rest. And for you this morning, I would say to you, the glorious thing is, is that in, in, in the tra- Christian tradition, on the first day of the week, when we celebrate the resurrected Christ, historically, the people of God have stopped on that day to do two things. Worship and rest, if you will. And both of those are rest, but you could say worship and kind of relax to cease from striving so hard. And God in His grace offered that to us that we might experience that. And so I would just say to you, there are some difficulties there with regard to people's thoughts regarding our rest, but one of the things what we, that we could say is this rhythm of six days and on the seventh, six days and on the seventh, of resting, of stopping and considering our Creator and our Savior is beneficial. The second thing that I think from an application to this concept is living a lifestyle of rest. John 19, Jesus, after receiving the sour wine, said, it is finished, and He bowed His head and gave up His spirit. He went into the tomb. He was resurrected. And that, that validated that what Jesus did satisfied God and we have now can enter into rest. A lifestyle of rest. A lifetime of rest. Our souls can rest. Romans 5, 1 and 2 says we are justified by faith. We have peace with God. We can rest. We can live in a state of rest. Jesus said in Matthew 11, Come to Me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There is rest for the people of God. There is a spiritual rest. There is a a, a solidarity about your life, a stability that He brings to us. We can enter into a life of rest. We don't have to strive to make God accept us. We don't have to strive to say, can you bring peace to us? Can, can you give us hope and sure foundation? We say, no, He has provided that in His Son. By faith, we hold fast to that. So, I think it's important for us today to say, listen, God designed it this way. He completed His work and there was rest. Man rebelled and it frustrated rest. God comes along and says, I'm going to bring rest. I'm going to bring rest. And He forces Israel to give us an example to just rest and consider their Creator and their Savior. You and I, when we are thinking about the time period that we live in, we know that there is a Sabbath rest for us because we can trust that our Creator and Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ, has accomplished everything for us. Everything to return us to rest. So, it's still helpful, I think, to remind us and live in the rhythm of the sixth day and on the seventh day rest idea. I think also to live a lifestyle of rest, to encourage one another in rest is important. 
And then lastly, I think we have to point one another to our final rest. I think we have to say to one another, listen, do you remember that Jesus says, I'm returning to get you, and I'm preparing a place for you, and I'm going to restore everything for you? Hold fast to that. Practice rest. Hold on to your faith. Strive to grip your faith. Trust in Him. And all of His promises will be found to be true. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We ask that You would give us an understanding, a hope, a certainty about the promises that You have made concerning rest for our souls, rest for our bodies, a restoration of everything. We long for the day when we, have to, we get to just completely enter into that rest. We long for the day where, when everything is restored. But as we wait, we ask that You would remind us daily to hold on by faith. In Christ's name, Amen. If you would stand with me at this time.